So over a decade ago, Charlie Munger gave a commencement address uh, to the graduating law school students at USC. And not only is one, um, anytime you can hear Charlie Munger uh, speak or read anything he's written, I would definitely uh, take advantage of that because he's probably one of the smartest people I've ever come across. But two, especially, I, I want to pay special attention to um, situations like this where you have somebody, he's 85 years old at the time, I think. Uh, now I think he's over 95 maybe. So somebody, you know, close to the end of their life and they're specifically tailoring their message to people at the opposite end of the spectrum in life in this case it's you know people just finishing with school younger people much younger than him and he's going back and he's just saying hey this is basically 30 minutes it was i think it's like 37 minutes long of wisdom that i that i have uh that i've accumulated over my lifetime through a lifetime of uh, of interesting experiences and i want to impart this wisdom onto you so i'm just going to read my notes like i uh read the notes i took and then um add any context to it so he starts off with something that um that I think is uh, extremely important. Um, I spent a lot of my time studying history for this very reason. He says, the sacrifice and the wisdom and the value transfer that comes from one generation to the next can never be underrated. All of my life, I admired uh, Confucius. And Confucius has this idea, and he says, I like the idea that there are values that are taught and all that should be passed on, and all of that should be passed on to the next generation. And so at the very beginning of the speech, he says, listen, I scratched out some notes about some ideas and attitudes that have worked for me. He also talked about, you know, they're not, this worked for me, they may not work for you. But he then right after that, he says, I think many of them are can't fail ideas. And so that's basic life advice for us. He says, the safest way to try to get what you want is to try and deserve what you want. You want to deliver to the world what you would buy if you were on the other end. So that's Charlie Munger's version of the golden rule. Um, he also has some, uh, I always talk about this idea, I think I bring it up so much on my podcast that it might be somewhat annoying, but I think it's one of the most important ideas I've ever come across, and that's Jeff Bezos' way of making decisions. He has this regret minimization framework, so when you're making a decision in pre present day, uh, picture your 80-year-old self or 90-year-old self on your deathbed surrounded by family looking back on that decision. If that's a decision your 80- or 90-year-old self would regret, then don't do it now. Charlie has his own version of this, and he says, think about the type of funeral you want. There's a story about a person who died. The minister giving the service said, it is now time for somebody to come up and say something nice about the deceased. Nobody came forward. After a long time, a person came up and said, his brother was worse. Charlie's takeaway from that, that's not the kind of funeral you want. Um, this is one of my favorite parts of the entire speech. He says, wisdom acquisition is a moral duty. It is not just something you do to advance in life. This means you are hooked for lifetime learning. Without lifetime learning, you people, meaning the graduates that he's talking to, are not going to do very well. You will not get very far in your life based on what you already know. How many people do you know that once they graduate college or any kind of uh, secondary education, they kind of just entertain themselves to death instead of continuing to learn. Um, you might be able to hang out with those people right after college, but I guarantee you, if you're the type of person that, can, that wants to continue to uh, learn, and if you're listening to this, you obviously are, go 10 years without talking to that person, uh, then try to have dinner with them, and you take somebody that's been learning a little bit every day for 10 years and somebody that's not, and you just, you can, it's barely the same species of person. You can barely communicate with these people. Um, okay, he says... This is really interesting. So now he's going to talk about Berkshire Hathaway. He says, Berkshire, Berkshire, Hath, Berkshire Hathaway may have the best long-term investment record in the history of civilization. That's a hell of a sentence, right? The skills that, 
the skill that got Berkshire through one decade would not get it through another decade without Warren Buffett being a continuous learning machine. He uses that phrase a bunch in this commencement address, become a continuous learning machine. He says, I constantly, I constantly see people, uh, I, I, actually, what did he say? I constantly see yeah, I constantly see people rise in life who are not the smartest and not the most diligent, but they are learning machines. They go to bed a little wiser than they were when they got up. Boy, does that habit, habit help when you have a long run ahead of you. And this is very fascinating. He's going to tie this back to what he was just speaking about. The Berkshire wouldn't have survived if Warren Buffett wasn't a continuous learning machine. He says, if you watch Warren Buffett, half of the time he spends is sitting on his ass and reading. The other half of the time is talking one-on-one with highly gifted people. It looks quite academic. And then something interesting, this is just a part of human nature that I, I really hate, but I think Charlie's right about this. And he says, my advice, to you is some, uh, my advice to you is sometimes keep your light under a bushel. So what he means by that is some people don't like that you know more than they do. Um, so Charlie then begins to tell the story of a friend who worked at a law firm um, that knew too much and showed it. So really bright, uh, ambitious person but the problem was you can be bright and ambitious Charlie obviously is encouraging us to do that but he's saying sometimes you have to hide that because um, people believe in this like false idea of egalitarianism between human beings like we you've met enough human beings in your life um, by now that know to know that like this myth that all people are created equal is a myth like it's just not true and so he this uh, one of his friends who's really bright working at a law firm and he being so bright gets him actually in trouble which is just silly to me. And he says, um, he was told, uh, your duty your duty is to behave in such a way that the client thinks he is the smartest person in the world. Then you make your senior partner think he is the smartest person in the world. And Charlie's saying, I didn't do this. I always obeyed the drift of my nature. I've never heard anybody use that phrase before, but he uses it a couple of times. He's talking, he's saying, listen, just, in other words, be who you are. Obey the drift of your nature. Follow whatever you're passionate about. Follow what you're naturally inclined to because that's the only way you're actually going to be really good at it. I'll, t- I'll touch on that more in a, in a minute. And he says, if other people didn't like it, meaning he's just going to be who he is, well, I don't need to be adored by everybody. Again, I think that's a superpower. Um, so he quotes Cicero. He says, Cicero is famous for saying, a man who doesn't know what happened before he was born goes through life like a child. That's Charlie just telling us the importance of studying history and, and knowing what happened because uh, like I always say, human uh, history doesn't repeat, but human nature certainly does. The way complex, complex adaptive systems, which is uh, what life is, and a microcosm of that, uh, this is what Mark Andreessen calls doing a company. He's like starting a company is a complex adaptive system. Uh, so he says the way complex adaptive systems work is that problems are usually uh, are usually solved if you turn are easier to solve uh, are usually easier. Let me add that. I left that out are usually easier to solve if you turn them around and reverse. This, this is his famous, um, always talks about invert, always invert. And I linked to uh, a post that I read that, that explains uh, this, this idea of Charlie's. I think if you have a, a few minutes, you should read it. Um, what do you want to do? To, uh, what do you want to avoid in life? Sloth and unreliability. He talks about it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. If you're unreliable. Um, in like a larger social context, like you're just, you're not useful to other humans and you don't get value unless you're, uh, you provide value to other humans provide, in other words, provide value to society. Um, he says, avoid extremely intense ideology, ideology, pol- political or religious or otherwise. It turns your brain to cabbage. Uh, Charlie's going to say something that I talk a lot about on Founders Podcast. 
don't overspend your income. In other words, be frugal. There was once, and he has a great story. He says, there was once a man who became the most famous composer in the world, but he was utterly miserable most of the time. He always overspent his income, among other bad decisions. And this guy's name was Mozart. And he says, if Mozart can't get by with his asinine conduct, I don't think you should try it. Uh, More life wisdom for us. Generally speaking, envy, resentment, revenge, and self-pity are disastrous modes of thoughts. It is a ridiculous way to behave. When you avoid it, you get a great advantage over everyone else because he says self-pity is like the human's like uh, default mode. Um, something Charlie learned from Ben Franklin. If you wish to persuade, appeal to interest, not to reason. He says the human self-service bias is so extreme. Incentives are too powerful a controller of human cognition and behavior. So study incentives and how people respond to them. It's not a waste of time, according to him. Avoid working with someone you don't admire and don't want to be like. That's extremely important. Uh, he says there's two types of knowledge. Plank knowledge. Uh, I think that's the famous Nobel laureate. I think he's a physicist. So he, he uses that as a like a metaphor. So plank knowledge to him is the people who really know what they're talking about. And two is chauffeur, chauffeur, chauffeur? chauffeur knowledge. Uh, so imagine if you had somebody uh, that had to drive around somebody that really knew what they're talking about. That They're basically just mimicking them. These people know how to sound like they know. Um, he says he just described every politician in the United States and that it's our generation's um, duty to get power to, to people that have plank knowledge and power away from people that have chauffeur knowledge. And he said it's not going to be easy. Um, this is super, super important. I've seen this said a bunch of different ways from all different types of people throughout history. Intense interest in a subject is indispensable if you want to excel in it. In other words, follow your natural drift. He's like, I can learn things and I may remember them, but I will not excel at them unless it's just it comes natural to me. It's natural. I'm not what you're naturally interested in. Um, I have a lot of people that email me. They're like, how, what should I start a podcast on? My response is almost always the same. It's like, whatever's authentic to you. Um, If you took like a, like a, is that a Venn diagram? I think what I'm thinking of. If you took a Venn diagram of my interests, uh, reading, entrepreneurship, history, podcasts, well, founders sits right in the middle of that. Like that's just stuff I'm naturally interested in. I spent hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of, probably thousands of hours by now studying history, entrepreneurship, reading. It's just, it's just what I'm interested in. I think, but again, just like Jeff Bezos says, like you don't pick your passions. Like they, they pick you. You just got to listen to them. Um, he was using that as an example of why he was selling off a billion dollars a year of Amazon stock to fund his rocket company, Blue Origin. He's like, well, I've been into rockets as a five-year-old boy. I didn't sit down at five years old and be like, okay, well, what do I want to do in life? Like, I was just really interested in it. So, and I still am, you know, f- whatever, maybe 50, I don't know how old he is, but maybe 50 years later. Um, life will have terrible blows in it. Horrible, unfair blows. Um, Charlie, I, I don't know if you know this, but Charlie, I, th- I think his daughter might have been a son, but we had, he had a... Uh, one of his children didn't even make it to the age of 10. They died, I think, of leukemia. So it's, it's, it's uh, I mean, the worst thing a human has to suffer from, right? So it says, life will have terrible blows in it, horrible, unfair blows. It doesn't matter. Some people recover and others don't. The attitude of Epictetus, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I linked his Wikipedia page if you want to learn more about him, is the best. He thought every mischance in life is an opportunity to behave well and learn something. He thought you should utilize the terrible blows in a constructive fashion. That is a very good idea. And uh, he talks about, you know, they kept going on about not overspending your income, making sure that you save for a rainy day. He talks about one of his relatives. It might have been a grandfather or an uncle that saved money and died. died. And then when he died, 
because he didn't overspend his income, like his wife and his family were in a you know comfortable position. He did like what he had to do, and he talks about you know he Charlie went through his whole life anticipating trouble. And this is good advice, and and so he says, uh, you could say who wants to go through life anticipating trouble? I did. All my life, I've gone through life anticipating trouble, and I've had a favored life. It didn't make me unhappy. It didn't hurt me. It helped me. 